Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Movie Maniac Show. Uh, this is Kush, and uh, we're just going to talk about Black Panther, uh, the movie Annihilation, and just some other stuff that might be fun. I have Matt with me over Facebook, and uh, we're just going to talk about fun stuff. Uh, yeah. So how do we how do we want to start this? Like, <laughs> Oh. You want to start with uh, Black Panther first? Yeah, let's talk about Black Panther. That that actually makes more sense. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we talked a lot about it once the movie ended, and it was like a while back. But like, the really interesting thing was that movie was actually really good. Like, I I really enjoyed it. Apart from the fact that like, the people in the movie theater were kind of a pain in the ass, like immense pain in the ass at times. Yeah, no, I got you. But yeah, I feel like it followed like the same general Marvel formula, but, I mean, having waited some time, hearing other people's responses to it, I thought it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. A lot of people particularly praised, like, Michael B. Jordan's role as the enemy as being one of the most, like, iconic Marvel Cinematic Universe enemies. No, it's it's definitely, like, uh, Killmonger was, like, incredibly layered, and that's, like, as much fun as I have in, like, most Marvel movies, this was, like, something very different. Uh, because he, he's kind of like, I, I don't know, there's like, uh, there's an element of like what's currently happening in the world uh, that was, uh, impacting like his character in itself. And it was just like really cool. Like it wasn't just like I'm evil for being evil, but I'm like, like th there's a reason behind the way that I am. And like that, that's an actual school of thought that's there, you know, to like overthrow, overthrow what's in existence, like a sense of anarchist, uh, yeah, like an anarchist, uh, idea uh, i don't know like philosophy something like that yeah i kind of want to watch the world burn away but with, the, with this character one thing i found interesting was that whole idea that he wasn't really super evil like yeah that's what he wanted to do like arm people having like fight everyone is kind of a bad idea mm -hmm. but i feel like his motives weren't like necessarily very evil a lot of guys like oh i want to destroy the world like i think of spider-man homecoming with the vulture or whatever the guy's name was yeah he was just trying to help his family even though he got like progressively a lot more like evil and illegal and stuff yeah yeah like but definitely like yeah he's just trying to help his community like he's seen what he's gone through like and he knows like oh wakanda has all his power it's like why are we just like ignoring everyone else like watching all this like slavery and all this like you know oppression happen it's like a reasonable school of thought i thought and it was like I'm like it's not really that bad although he did go about it in a kind of somewhat evil way yeah it, it was like um i i guess like uh I guess like a, a villain through pain kind of thing like watching all of these things that happen around him watching all of the things that happen in history and realizing that there was a way that this all could have been prevented had Wakanda not been like an isolationist country and just started protecting stuff and no one else like I, I guess it was like a valid criticism of the place that it was and I, I think that's like one thing that ultimately uh, like well, the story itself is is very straightforward like it's a classic superhero story it's kind of like i don't know like rocky 3 or something like that you know like the villain yeah. gets uh i think well, rocky 3 was the one where like rocky got got his ass kicked right and then like he came back to face uh what was his name clubber lang yeah that was yeah that was rocky okay. uh yeah, yeah i, I familiar with them. Club, like because I, th I think like clubber lang like kicked his ass in the first fight and then he had to like train uh, with Apollo Creed, and uh, we're going off track, but, like, it was basically, like, the uh, uh, traditional, like, um, I guess, like, a, like, you know, you lose, and then you gotta build up again, or you 
like kind of die and then like you kind of come back and those kind of things so the story wasn't like that complicated or anything like that but like the context behind it was fascinating and that that's one of the reasons i actually like really enjoyed this movie whereas like i found doctor strange to be like extremely disappointing after the first 30 minutes and spider-man homecoming was just kind of fun thor ragnarok was also kind of fun but like this was one of those movies where i'm just like getting out of it i'm like this is something that you can like kind of think about you can talk about it was a big change from what marvel did usually and i'm glad that they kind of did that because it was kind of getting boring like watching marvel do the same thing again and again and again yeah but the thing with that is they're so commercially viable mm-hmm. it's nice to them take like a sort of calculated risk like this because i feel like there's definitely a certain point like there's been black superheroes like we've seen blade like exactly and, like but like this one is like particularly so like just very like i guess like black would be the way to say it it's a very proud of what it is and like i feel like a lot of people would have thought like years past possibly even now this wouldn't be such a success but mm-hmm. like usually like black culture is so like forefront front in a like, pop culture now and stuff yeah yeah it's like I'm not too surprised that it did very well and it's good for marvel to take a like a good stance and have this happen mm-hmm. and let like you know ryan coogler the excellent director direct it and have a great cast like i thought they did an excellent job with the casting and the directing even if it was like a marvel movie at its core it did a very good job of adding other elements to it it like it combined a lot of uh, I, I like I, at times there's like a, I kind of get like a loss of words because there's so many things in this movie that you can like go into different directions and talk about each of those things like you can talk about like addressing like uh, philosophical ideas that's one thing that's there in Black Panther addressing like uh, foreign policy and like isolationism as opposed to like reaching out to other people that's another thing that's addressed dealing with like overcoming your own obstacles or finding like your place and like kind of you know the return of the king kind of thing that's also another thing in the story so like there's a lot of things packed into this movie but it doesn't feel like that like it felt rushed towards the end but it doesn't feel like uh oh this movie doesn't know what it's trying to be if you know what i'm saying yeah no i get that sometimes you know you go all the way through and it'll be kind of just like where is the direction for this? Like, I see kind of what they wanted to do, but they kind of lack that. I feel like it was very clear and straightforward what, like, the whole execution of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'm looking at uh, Ryan Coogler's, like, movies. The guy has... It's amazing. Like, he had Fruitful Station, like, five years ago. And then he had Creed right after, and then Black Panther right after that. Like, it's, it's like... You know the rise of uh, the movies that he's done has been like exponential. Yeah, I haven't seen Fruitvale, but that's his directorial debut, right? Yeah, Fruitvale was his directorial debut. It was a really good movie. I th- I think it like it came out yeah five years back, two thousand thirteen, and then two years later he did Creed, and then three years after that he did Black Panther. So it's like that's actually really amazing. Like he's thirty one. He's done three really really good movies. So he's three for three right now. Like, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does next. Like, that's that's really cool. But like, yeah, going back, like, I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about Black Panther in particular? Um, trying to think, but nothing specifically about that. But um, yeah, going back to like Ryan Coogler and how Marvel like to tackle things. Like, I feel like usually in general with a good director. You're guaranteed a good movie. Like you can have a great actor in a movie, and it's poor directing, and it'd just be terrible. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head at the moment, but I think of like Ant Man with Edgar 
right. Like, I think he's a great director. Yeah. But, like, it definitely had the, you know, the, the cuts that we're used to seeing in some type of movies. Yeah, like the Cornetto like, trilogy. good. Like, I feel like sometimes when you think of, like, a controlling studio like Marvel or, like, Disney, that there's a lot more creative control over these, like, they want to use these, like, new upcoming directors, but they mm-hmm. also want to be, like, very in control of this production. But this felt like you definitely had a lot more control which is nice to see. I mean, I, th- I think that also has to do with, like, it was barely connected to the larger Marvel universe. Like, obviously, they had the thing tied from Civil War that, uh, I think it was T'Chaka died uh, in Civil War, and then they had it kind of tied in the post credit scene. But apart from that, it was its own movie in, in the entire time. Like, there was nothing else to it. So I I think they allowed I mean th- that's one of the things that bothered me a little bit like Ant Man could have been like this really weird movie and it would have been really fun but it ended up being a traditional like Marvel movie because they took Edgar Wright off of it and took out like the real quirkiness that was behind it and they saw that the, like by letting Taika Waititi who's also a very quirky director do Thor Ragnarok the movie ended up doing incredibly well and they kind of like let him have his way like it, it became a kind of a trippy movie it had a lot to do with like visualization and things like that and yeah. a very different tone from like Thor 1 which is like a Shakespeare kind of thing because it was directed by Kenneth Prana and then Thor 2 which is just like what on earth was going on in that movie no one knows yeah I think I'm a little behind the whole Thor thing but I heard yeah I heard Dark World wasn't great but that Ragnarok went back and because kind of like oh I heard it's very funny and it was like a, a more lighthearted that didn't take itself as seriously which I feel like is a lot of problems when you see the DC movies sometimes are a little too heavy and I don't think that's always like the best case like, I don't think like making a super lighthearted superhero movie is like the best idea because I do think they're like in comics are actually quite violent and like yeah you know it's a little like stuff like that so you want to see that but also I don't think it would be too dark unless it's like very well done like I think Christopher Nolan's like the the only example of like a darker superhero movie that like really worked out uh, i think that's also like the translation of tone from like every time i kind of watch a, I, I love the like i love dc comics so it's like i have a clear preference for them when it comes to the comics over marvel but um there's like i don't, I don't know how to put this but like there's a translation of what uh, the tone was like in watchmen that kind of goes over into the DC Cinematic Universe right now, or DC Extended Universe, whatever it's called. Like, yeah, I can see that. And Watchmen is a very different comic. It, like, it is in its own entire context and its own entire thing, as opposed to like what the comics are uh, made of. When it, like, I, I love serious movies. I love serious superhero movies. Nolan's Batman trilogy is still one of my favorite like movie trilogies in general. But th- there's, like, an element of, like, there needs to be a tonal shift between movies, and there needs to be something that sets it apart. And I feel like that's one of the things people... Uh, one of the reasons why there's, like, uh, evident criticism about the DC Extended Universe. And, like, I c- you can always see where it comes from. I, I don't think it's, like... Uh, it's nowhere close to, like, a flawless Extended Universe or anything like that. I don't think the, the movies are masterpieces or anything like that. I see what they're trying to go for, but th- there's these obvious flaws because they're tones are inconsistent and their stories can be inconsistent at times and i think uh like on the but like they're a lot riskier because they try to go for these like extremely dark movies that address like political issues which is what batman versus superman was kind of trying to do yeah and then on the other hand like one of the things that was kind of turning me off from like marvel's movies was that they were 
just taking any kind of weight that was there in the movie and like kind of you know just being like oh no no, no we, we need to take this aspect out and we need to take this aspect out and we need to go for the most safe route possible and like when they did guardians that was an example of something where they took a risk and it paid off but then they didn't continue doing that because then like they continued on with like ant-man uh where they took off edgar wright or civil war or like i i think the biggest disappointment i had was like two years ago when doctor strange came out the first 30 minutes we got to see that like you know this character was created for like a a psychedelic effect a, a very like trippy character because he he has to do with like astral planes and things like that but then uh they kind of just took all of that out to go for like a traditional like marvel superhero movie and that that's what kind of like i just got so irritated towards the uh, i think like 80 75 80 percent of the movie was done and i was irritated like sitting in the movie theater because i'm like i loved the first 30 minutes of the movie and then they took all of that out to make it more like you know uh, like i guess orthodox yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think it's like when you see DC, you're just going to try to try more different things. It doesn't work out as well. And you see Marvel trying to be the same, but eventually people kind of, you know, wear out. Like, I know I haven't been going to the movies as much. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of, like, amazing things about Black Panther. That's why I went. But usually for Marvel movies, like the MCU movies, like, I thought Logan was awesome. Um, yeah. Like, the MCU. But I think, like, that I was kind of trying to avoid them. So I was like, I just read mediocre reviews every time. And it's like, do I want to spend money on that? Do I want to see the same thing happen again? Like, another origin story? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, uh, I mean, L- Logan was just something in, in its own, like, zone. I, I think, like, De- Fox is doing this thing where, like, they, they sometimes have, like, really bad superhero movies. And then they have times where they, like take these massive risks and they actually pay them off because they took the risk with Deadpool. They're just like, we're going to make a superhero movie that's R-rated for the massive audience. Like, obviously, R-rated superhero movies have been done before with, like, Kick-Ass and, like, uh, uh, other movies like that. But, like, this was just like, all right, we're actually going to make this, like, a high-budget R-rated movie that's still about a superhero. And it paid off so well that we actually got to see Logan and, like, we got to see a really dark a really like uh nihilistic movie about a superhero and that was just incredible and it's like yeah, I, yeah. and like logan's something that's gonna stick around like uh you know you'll forget about uh like these movies that are not that risky even though they're good movies you'll forget about like the non-risky movies but logan will stick around like it'll be part of a conversation like a few years down the road when they're talking about like you know what to do with uh uh, the character of Wolverine or something like that or what to do with like do we want you know it could even be appeal to like uh, an Obi-Wan movie now they could actually try out uh, a nihilistic Obi-Wan movie where he has to deal with like being on a planet all by himself and why he aged like 50 years in the span of like 19 yeah I don't know if they'll ever have an actual meaning for that but people <laughs> yeah, see them take that but I, I worry about because it's a whole new uh Last Jedi, like it still did very well, but yeah. it was a little, um, it was a little like not poorly reviewed, but it had a lot of like backlash, so I had critical praise because it basically t- it was like another take on uh, Return of the Empire, kind of it had that similar mood, but it was a different thing. Ray wasn't oh like a Skywalker; she was just a regular person, and like you know, like things like that that change up like the story of it. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, people don't like that. I feel like that might. I, I so think it might encourage them to not be as risky with the R-rated. Although I think it's still a very successful brand, and like I think a lot of people will still go to see it. Uh, I think there was also the aspect that uh, 
people had so many of these like theories going around and like this, there was so much work being put in by the fan base in itself like and I, I think the backlash came from the fact the backlash came from the fact that like they couldn't you know kind of like see that on screen if that makes sense yeah I'm gonna be stepping outside so hopefully it stays connected but alright no, don't worry about it uh wait and uh wait I, got, I completely forgot what were you we talking about you're talking about uh Star Wars a bit, but I don't know if you want to pivot to uh, Annihilation now. Yeah, uh, like, we, I mean, we were talking about, like, you know, really trippy aspect of, like, Doctor Strange. It's a good segue into Annihilation, which I mainly went for this movie because I love Ex Machina, and this, the, uh, like, Alex Garland has done, like, these movies earlier, but uh, he did Ex Machina, and then it's just like, alright, four years later, I'm gonna do Annihilation, the movie came out, and, like, we ended up I had no idea what this movie was really about. I went in completely blind. And I feel like that was pretty amazing. Like That movie was like a serious mindfuck at times. And I, I think like uh, going in without any information, not watching, I think I maybe watched like one trailer. Or I don't even know if I really watched the trailer. I think I watched the trailer after coming back from the movie. Yeah, I think I saw a trailer, but I don't think it was like very like explanatory trailer. Like I remember an article the day before and like, I know I like I like Alex Garland. I like what he did with uh, Ex Machina. That was like the reason also why I was like I want to see his movie. Yeah. I always like these kind of like trippy sci-fi movies. They're very interesting because there's really no limitation. It's always like oh, this like not like a like anything happened like magic. Like anything happened, but like with science, you're always like oh, what if this like alien shit happens? Uh, I find the, the the genre itself very interesting. But with this movie, I just find it very like polarizing. Like I feel like a lot of people really like it, or just like very confused by it. like. After watching it, I was like, I enjoyed that, but it was kind of like, I'm not sure what I enjoyed about it. Like, it was a great like production value, like great acting and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes it's a little like, it's a little confusing at the end. Like, I mean, obviously it's meant to be like you know making think and stuff, but I feel like the end is kind of just like after I was, I wasn't really sure how to feel about the whole movie or like what its direction was. So, uh, did you, like, uh, there was a movie called, like, Sunshine by Danny Boyle. I, I think it's, like, ten years old now. And right now, while listening to you talk about how the movie kind of played out, it just reminded me a lot about Sunshine, where, like, there's uh, this heavy element of, like, uh, you don't know what's quite going on. Like, there's just these twists and turns thrown at you, but you start slowly start figuring out what's going on as, like, they kind of give you this exposition. And then the ending just does not make, it, like, a lot of sense in a way. And okay, go ahead. No, no, no that, that was basically it. Like, that's what I kind of felt with, like, Annihilation as well. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that the ending didn't make any sense, but I think for the, I guess, for the timeline or the fact that I, I think Annihilation is a part of, like, three books or something like that. And I, I think that, like, affects the movie in itself because I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't see this movie, like, be set up for, like, a sequel or anything like that, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. It's nice to see when they're not, like, trying to set it up for something. But, you know, they make sequels out of literally anything. Yeah. But, um, I mean, sometimes that, like, confusing for the sake of just, like... I feel like it's more confusing for the sake of, like, it wasn't clear, mm-hmm. like, what it was trying to be at the end. Like, everything built up to the... I feel like the, the build-up was... It was, like, a little spooky, definitely. But I don't, I don't think... I think it was a little, like... 
maybe anticlimactically. I wasn't expecting a big battle or anything, but like the I think that it did build a lot of nice anticipation to to the end. Yeah. But I'm yeah. trying to think of like a movie where it's just like legitimately confusing, but it was like well done the way it's like, supposed to be disorienting, orientating. Um, I can't think of that right now. I mean, but, uh, like, I. I guess, like, Memento's, like, uh, going all the way back. It's kind of a movie that, like, you're not really sure as to what's going on. But it's... That's a good example, because it's, like, backwards. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Exactly. It's, like, scene by scene, where, like, the movie's kind of, you know, playing with linear storytelling a lot. And, uh... Yeah. And, like, yeah, it, it kind of just, like, fucks with you while the movie's going on. But, like, later on, it kind of ties in well together towards the end of the movie. And it yeah. doesn't feel rushed. I think the main thing was, like, I, the end of the movie just happened so quickly. For a movie that was very slow, it, it took its time throughout the entire thing. It took its time explaining the entire, like, uh, you know, the, the, the refraction of the DNA and how it's changing people from the inside and how, like, the modifications on the DNA are affecting their, the way, that, like, their body operates on what frequency and things like that. Yeah. But then, like, towards the end of the movie, it just, like, gave up on everything, and it kind of went that, like, 2001, A Space Odyssey route, where, uh, at the end of the movie, you're kind of just, like, watching, like, colors for, like, I don't know, what was it, like, five, six minutes? Oh, yeah. And it, it didn't go, like, that trippy, it didn't go all the way to that extent, but it, it kind of just, like, uh, it played heavily on that element of, like, no dialogue, and then, like, kind of seeing her get en encapsulated by this, like, floating cloud kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, like, I really enjoyed the movie, and I like the fact that it wasn't, like, a traditional movie, but I, I do feel like, as much as there was set up, the payoff wasn't that good. Yeah, I agree, and we're not caring about spoilers here, right? No, 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 like, I, I, I don't know if I should, yeah, we're just talking about the movies, like, fuck the spoilers, it's fine. So go ahead with them? Yeah, go ahead with them, that was really confusing. Yeah. The, no, like, yeah, don't worry about the spoiler stuff. Okay, um, so basically the ending, like, he's, like, like, she comes back, she's hugging her not-husband, yeah. and, like, you know, there's people with their eyes have that little shimmer, like, I know my roommate was saying, she saw it, like, the day after, like, he's saying, oh, she didn't make it out, like, the other thing did, and I don't entirely believe that was true, but I'm not, I'm wondering, is this, did the thing, like, just, that was in her, like, just take over and become a person, is that what they were saying, like? I, I think it might have to do with, like, because both, okay, so, uh, the, like, I guess the alien version of her husband, right? He, yeah. he got sick because he probably came back to, like, a traditional Earth setting and he was, like, trying to fit in with that. And then once the, the, I guess the shimmer went away, he was back to, he was back alive, like, he was fine. And I feel like it's just, like, both of them have, like, refracted DNA that's, that makes them different from like normal humans but they're both alive and i think that that's basically what it was i think it was just telling us that uh uh natalie portman's character has just like you know she's not like just human she's like a mutated human now okay like, I know, I, like yeah i know they plan that whole like their relationships kind of falling apart like why would you do a mission that's basically suicidal even though they seem to have like a good marriage yeah, yeah, like, so, the entire movie had had a lot to do with, like, self-destruction as well. Like, I, I think that was, like, a good, like, psychological play, because every single one of the major characters that goes into the Shimmer is flawed in some way, or has, like, some kind of an issue in their life. Like, one of them's dying off cancer, the other one's, like, you know, uh, dealing with, like, other issues. So it was just, like, 
it showed us like a side of like all right flawed heroes kind of thing if that makes sense yeah so you think possibly it could be saying that in the end like they realized they had with each other or that they didn't want to destroy themselves or something like that or is that just looking at it too superficially like I'm, I don't know uh, I'm trying to justify like explain it but like like for any movie even if some are unexplainable I actually, like, I don't know, I didn't really think about that, like, uh, I, I know, like, the characters are introduced as these, like, you know, kind of flawed characters, but I don't know what happens in terms of once they're, well, once the Shimmer's gone, like, what exactly is the deal over there? I, I didn't really think about it like that. I don't know if, I don't even know if, like, they kind of, like, oh, we're getting back together or something like that. Like, because... Yeah, it's more just, like, I think they understood each other, like, they yeah. were, like, and they knew why each side did it, but they did it. Like, I think the em embrace was just like a way of showing that, like, oh look, her eyes are also shimmering right now, uh, much like you know the alien version of her husband is, or something like that, and like kind of just show that oh both of them are like have mutated uh, DNA right now, and they're not like regular humans anymore, or something like that. Like th that's the thing, like because I think this movie's like part, or this movie is based off, yeah, the movie's based off a novel. And the novel is three books. So, like, Annihilation, I think, is just the first one. And then there's two more books. And I feel like that's why there's so many questions that we haven't, like, really figured out. But I don't know if... I don't know if this, like... If this movie's gonna have a sequel or not or anything like that. Like, I don't know if they're trying to do, like, a trilogy kind of thing. Yeah, because I think of it, like... Wait, is it, um... Quite a little different, like Blade Runner, they based off like a novel, but it's like basically yeah. a short story. Like, I don't know if there's like, I think there's probably more depth to it in the book. You're kind of limited to what you can show, but yeah, I think maybe it's like harder to put it on the screen because it's definitely a you know, very complicated movie. I think this movie would have been, uh, if they'd like kind of translated that story and gone like even more in depth and everything like that, I think it would have been great as a TV show. Like a, a miniseries or something like that. Like something along the lines of Westworld or something like that. I think it would have been really interesting to see this happen in, in those terms. That way, that would be more of like an explanation, and you understand it more. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, the thing is, you don't see many sci-fi, uh, what is it, mini-series. I'm trying to think of like one off the top of my head, but I mean, I really can't. Most of them are like kind of like a drama, like uh, type of that. Like I think of like True Detective or like. But, like, won't, uh, something like... Okay, I mean, Westworld is technically, like, a season-based show, but... Uh, yeah, no, no, you're kind of right. Like, they've kind of done it with, like, smaller versions with, like, Battlestar Galactica having, like, the, uh, a small sci-fi miniseries. I think, uh, and then... I think they also had one with, like, Halo for, like, six or seven episodes, but both of them are, like... You know, they were pretty, like, low-budget, and they, they were kind of bad. Yeah, it's a, definitely a little bit of still a niche genre, I think. Even if they like big things like Star Wars, still feel like in general, it's like it's, it's very top heavy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sci-fi. But how'd you feel about um like the like the rest of the story, like the the acting, the character development? Do you feel like that was up to par? I, I think like maybe a, a I thought the acting was incredibly good. Like, 
the acting in this movie was not as, I guess, nuanced as it was in Ex Machina, but Ex Machina was also a much smaller of a film. Like, the entire movie takes place in, like, one house, and it's just three yeah. characters, as opposed to this one, where it's like, oh, like, you know, look at all, like, the beautiful stuff that's happening and things like that, because this was a much more of a nature-esque film, whereas the other one was, like, a mixture of, like, you know, technophobia, or seeing where technology can take us, What at what point does... AI become humans. It was like kind of dealing with more philosophical stuff, whereas this one was like more uh, dealing. It was dealing with philosophical stuff and psychological stuff, but it was also like throwing these like incredible, gorgeous landscapes at you. So it was, it, it was a very visual movie. Like I'd say, the acting was definitely better in Ex Machina, but it's also because like the movie was entirely running off of the acting because there was nothing else to for you to look at. And, and and also I feel like the sound I, I heard like you know, reading before mm-hmm. the sound's a big thing and I I wouldn't say it's as big as like when I think of sound I think of Dunkirk or I think exactly of yeah Blade Runner that the soundtrack was basically like the movie had a lot of depth otherwise but like it's like that's a big part of it this movie had a lot of motifs uh, where in particular scenes or particular places you would hear that like one particular sound. But yeah. no, if I I wouldn't say like that. I don't know if this movie has like a soundtrack per se. Like, uh, yeah, like you said, like Dunkirk, the entire movie was just like this sound made that in, like experience. Like Hans Zimmer's score was one of the reasons why you felt all of the things that you felt while watching Dunkirk, and like the way that sound editing was done and the way the sound mixing was done as well. And I think they ended up winning Oscars for both of them. Yeah. Um, also, another thing about this movie was, what did you think about, I was just thinking about that right now, the whole tree people thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that one girl obviously turns into a literal tree. That, that was just so weird. It, like, happened so fast. Yeah, it was, like, immediately, like, compared, but, too, so, basically, was saying that everyone else that was shaped a tree, he was also a person that just gave in, basically. I, I think so. Like, I, I feel like that's what it... Because they were trying to take us off of, off that route and say that, like, oh, no, this is just, like, you know, the the D- DNA of these plants has been modified to the point where, like, their structure comes off more humanoid. But then, like, uh, I think it was Tessa Thompson's character, she just, like, turns into one of these plants. So it's, like, they have two explanations and they never really, like, give any form of closure. So you, I think you can go off of maybe both of them are true maybe just one of them is true like i have no idea how to like really address that like that's the thing coming out of the movie like when you like when there's questions about it it's like i don't really know what the answer is to these things yeah that's the thing i don't know if he's trying to go for one or not because i'm not as familiar with him publicly i know there's people like david lynch that either don't disclose what their ideas were or Mm -hmm. don't even like have like a very concrete explanation like sometimes kind of like why is this so weird? It's like, I don't have an explanation. That's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, at this director, I don't know. I mean, I, think, I feel like if you just see that's not going to definitely very literal. Mm-hmm. But I don't, this one's kind of tougher to tell or like read the symbols as much. Yeah. Look. Um, I feel like one thing definitely is noticeable is that it gave everyone what they want is kind of like everyone's looking for something like a release and escape, you know, uh, Maybe not the girl got ripped apart by a bear. That's probably not what she wanted. But, <laughs> like, but um, like that girl, like oh, like because everything he explicitly said it, like oh, you just want to get there. Like, the other girl wants to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And Natalie Portman's character, the other woman just wants to make it because she has cancer. Yeah. And the other girl just 
plan. Like, so, I mean, I, I, I think the yeah the movie like uh, grabbed my attention throughout the thing. I th- I'm gonna give it props for that. Like I, I, the storytelling like weirded me out at times. Uh, I don't know if it was that was the point of it. I I feel like there were a lot of loose ends that were never addressed, and I don't know if that was also the kind of you know the thing that Alex Garland was trying to go for. But the movie definitely like grabbed my attention from the first moment, and then like it never really let go. It had a feel like similar to Arrival at times, but Arrival was much more of a complete movie than this was. Oh, Arrival! I haven't seen that yet. that's one movie that I would highly recommend. I think, like, a lot of people thought that Annihilation was going to be very similar to Arrival, and that was one of the things that got people to go for it if they didn't know who Alex Garland was, who itself is, like, a great writer and a great director. And, like, that's that conversation we had while coming out. was, like, what... Like, every time someone writes a script, something triggers that script. And it's, like, what exactly makes you think of something like this? Yeah, it's definitely true. Like, the story is so obscure that it's just, like... I, I can understand, like, an element of, like, going into the nature and being one with the nature, but then, like, it just delves into this entire thing. And it was just yeah. kind of a weird movie. Like, I'd still say that, like, you know, both of those movies need to be watched. Like, both Black Panther and Annihilation are definitely movies that people should watch, but, like, Annihilation is kind of, like, a... I guess the best way to put it is like an acquired taste if you don't want to walk out of that movie. Yeah, you gotta come in with different expectations for both. It's not something you really just watch lightly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's also tougher to tell us the motivation because I mean, obviously a director has control over what they want to express. Yeah. Like usually when it has some of the source material, it's kind of, you know, they're at the mercy of the, what the writer wanted to show from it. Yeah. They have to yeah. gather that and put it in their own words and what they want to show, so... I mean, it's not only him that has to explain it, but maybe the author, although I'm sure his input, the director, is also, like, very, like, influential to what the movie is supposed to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's... Yeah, like... It was definitely, like, I, I don't think Annihilation had, like, a lot of, uh, I guess, like, studio meddling or anything like that. This movie seems very much like it's, like, a director and a writer's, like, uh, production like the people who who were in charge of like coming up with the script and the people that were in charge of the shooting of it basically just created these this entire film so it's definitely like an artistic thing but yeah, like in a year when i watched like i don't know for me like the peak of sci-fi last year into this year was blade runner 2049 like i i, I, I like I, I love Star Wars, and like everyone knows how much I love Star Wars. But like, like Blade Runner stole the year for me. I think it was like one of my favorite. It probably was my favorite film of the year as well. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And like, uh, yeah, in a year when like they're able to do like something complicated and still throw twists at you, uh, which they did in Blade Runner, uh, in, in like a more complete version of a story, like Annihilation was extremely interesting but it, i don't know like it kind of like it was weird towards the end and it just bothered me that like I, I didn't come out like completely satisfied from the movie but i rather came out with like a lot of questions that i didn't knew that i couldn't find any answers to yeah that makes sense i mean the thing with blade runner with the original is that 
such an intriguing world they built around it. Like, it's based on a short story, but it's also, like, the world, like, the visualization, like, the neon lights, everything. It's just very intriguing, I think. And it's, like, kind of dive into that, which I find in movies, like, like uh, that, or, like, John Wick, where they're, like, not necessarily, like, deep movies, but they mm-hmm. have, like, a very, like, unexplained background story, or, like, Alien, where it's, like, they don't they touch on it, they don't, like, explain it. There's, like, a ton of, like, pre-established history to it. It's what makes the Game of Thrones so great, that even though the story is a great story, it's that there's so much history that's built, that's not even, like, explained in the show. Exactly. You can keep reading and reading it, and you just learn so much more about this, like, completely unique world. Like, if you just watched, uh, I don't know, yeah, if you just, like, watched Game of Thrones and you literally did not read anything else about it, like, no storyline, nothing on the internet and things like that, I feel like you would be very confused with, by that show, but it's the fact that, like, there's access to all of this information that can kind of give you a more complete feeling. It definitely makes a big difference. And I feel like maybe you can kind of do that with Annihilation by reading the book series, but, like... Actually, yeah, you can kind of do that by reading the book series. So yeah, I'm sure it'll clarify some some aspects of it. Yeah, yeah, like so that's definitely the case. Well, we went through two movies today, so that was pretty good. And like, we went on a few rants, uh, and that was kind of interesting as well. But like, yeah, it's to be expected. <laughs> it's to be expected. Like this, this was just like very off the cuff, and um. I don't know. That's that's basically all I have for today. Do you have anything else? Uh, not really. I mean, unless I don't know if you watched the Oscars at all. I mean, I know about like two of them. Like I've heard, I've heard a few Oscars won, but I know like I know Jordan Peele winning was the best original screenplay, and I know best picture was Shape of Water. That that's ba- yeah. like all of my updates basically came from like I I think like. Uh, Towards the end of the Oscars, I just typed in Oscars 2018 on Google and I kind of just like went through who won the awards. Because like, I honestly, I think I watched like six out of the nine movies that were nominated for Best Picture. So I didn't even really watch that many. Like there's, I, I, I didn't watch like three billboards. I didn't watch, uh, let's see, I'm taking a look at it right now. Shape of Water? Uh, yeah, I still have to watch Shape of Water as well. I still have to... I remember getting super hyped, and I just didn't see it, now it's like, best picture. And, like, I don't love Guillermo del Toro movies. Like, I like them, and mm-hmm. I appreciate them, but I don't love them. But, yeah. I'm, like, I, I definitely am intrigued to see it. Like, usually his best picture movies are pretty solid. Even, like, I, I'm not saying this is year, because I haven't seen a lot of them this year, but, like, sometimes you feel like a lot of movies deserve it more. But, like, I mean, I'm sure it's a very well-done movie. Like, I always respect their decision for the most part. I mean, like, yeah, like uh, I'm definitely the, the certain movies that I feel like I really wanted to see get nominated that never got nominated this year. Like I, I was extremely like I don't know I was like pretty dissatisfied that the, Logan didn't get any love this year at all. Yeah, it's a little surprising. I thought they might have gotten like a nomination. So I know they expanded the nominations like five to ten or whatever. Yeah. Like I, I know it got, I think it got a nomination for like a best adapted screenplay. From I, I'm guessing that they probably linked it to Old Man Logan, but like that movie was uh, the payoff for that movie. Like the fact that like you know the, the, this he's been um, Wolverine for like almost 18 years, and the payoff like watching while watching Logan, it was just amazing. Uh, and I was, like, pretty disappointed that, like, he didn't get, like, an acting 
did, uh, but like, like the movie wasn't even really considered for anything at all. Yeah, there's only a stigma against those type of movies like that, like horror, comedy usually gets about not really into that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can see it because drama is such a prestige thing and it requires so much emotional level. But it's still, I feel like there's definitely like a lot. Like even though I think like John Wick Two, which one of my favorite movies came out last year. Yeah. And so uh, you know, I I don't love like the stupid shoot 'em action movies. I feel like this one just such a well executed movie. It's like you go to the theater, you're gonna have a ton of fun seeing it. Like I think that's like an important part of it as well. I couldn't see John Wick 2 being nominated for Best Picture, but Logan definitely had that, like, prestige aura to it, almost. I, I think it was an incredibly well-acted movie. Like, we, uh, I don't know, I couldn't I couldn't think of, like, uh, someone in the movie who, like, acted bad. Like, uh, the girl who was playing, like, uh, Laura sl- slash X-23, I guess, uh, did a really good cho- job for, like, just, you know, a small, like, 10-year-old kid. Uh, yeah, these kid actors have gotten better and better. It's impressive. Exactly. Like, yeah. Movies are so bad. Then it's like now it's like they're like legitimate actors, but I mean there's so much. I guess schooling now and it's a more established business that these kids like take Stranger Things. Like these kids are actually like really talented kid like actors. Like the like they they just have a lot of like artistic integrity and like art like creativity as well. And like yeah, you're right. Like you watch like movies from the 80s and like early 90s and things like that. Kid actors used to be really bad. And they would throw you off from the movie, but, like, uh, watching Logan, like, her kid version, or not the kid version, but, like, uh, the character of Laura was really well played. Um, Patrick Stewart did an incredible job as, like, Xavier. There were parts of the movie where you actually got emotional just watching him do, uh, like, you know, uh, he, he, like, kind of became less Patrick Stewart. And he's kind of always done this, but, like, especially in Logan... He wasn't coming off as Patrick Stewart. He was coming off as... His name is Patrick Stewart, right? Yeah. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. But, like, he was coming off less and less as Patrick Stewart and uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. uh, And he was coming off more and more as, like, um... Like, as Xavier. And he kind of, like, became... Became that character. Yeah, he did a good job emotionally transforming from, like, this, like, decrypted old man who's kind of just gone crazy until being not really crazy, just, like, just kind of defeated and resigned to seeing the hope with Laura. Yeah, uh, and, like, he he was dealing with a lot of guilt, which we find out as, like, the movie goes on, but, like, I, I genuinely feel like the acting was fantastic in that movie, and I'm, I'm just disappointed that, like, the movie got, like, no love at all, and... I think it, it was a similar thing with, like, uh, Best Director, in a way. Uh, I mean, it was pretty good, but, like, I, I don't know. If it was up to me, I might have replaced Pete, like Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread by, like, bringing in uh, uh, Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman. Like, I've rewatched particular scenes from that movie so many times, and the way that, like, she directed the movie, and, like, watching the movie in the cinema itself, like... I don't know, it's like what you kind of go to movie theaters for. Like, Yeah, I get that. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. They had a, you know, a female lead and female directed. Uh, yeah, it seems like they did a... I, I like that movie a lot, too. I mean, it was a long movie, but like you don't really notice it when you're like enjoying something that much. Exactly. And like I feel like she definitely deserved a like some kind of a nod. And... Yeah, like, there's, like, it's a little annoying that, like, uh, 
there, there is a saturation level to superhero movies, but like I feel like good superhero movies should get recognized because at the end of it, they end up end up becoming really good movies as well. They're not just superhero movies; they're movies in itself. Yeah, because it only changes everything up itself. Because I know they were saying like read articles about the Oscars; their ratings declined because they only have like five nominations. They open it up to ten. Yeah. There's too much. You're not random movies. Try to find a balance, but you know I think definitely movies like. Logan or possibly Wonder Woman, just like even a nomination for Best Picture would definitely hype them up and would also potentially inspire theater, uh, these companies to like make more prestige films because they realize they'd be in up for an Oscar or something. I, the industry, possibly. I think it also has, like, one of the things that I, I feel like the, uh, the one of the main reasons why the ratings were probably really bad this year is like, I'm looking at the Best Picture nominees. Most of these movies... A came out very very close to the end of last year or the start of yeah I think it was very close to the end of last year and some of these movies were like limited release so they weren't even for you know the, the entire audience like you would have to travel for a long distance like a like far out in order to go see these movies yeah like three billboards I heard about like last month like I didn't realize it was like a movie like I was like I was kind of confused by that exactly like, like it's like a lot of these like prestige time like because a lot of them come at the end of the year too because then it's like fresh in everyone's mind like so, time to release an Oscar movie I think three billboards probably like none of these movies were like particular like you know massive box office successes or anything like no, okay not none of them but so, only some of them were massive box office successes only some of them were watched by the general like movie going audience whereas like the rest of the movies were kind of like um very much based around like the people that vote on these things if that makes sense like the screeners went out for three billboards i'm pretty sure that's what happened like i think the movie was like basically pre-release and the screeners went out and the movie got nominated before like the general population even got to see the movie yeah, I think, yeah, it makes sense, definitely. So, like, it's, it's just, like, people aren't even going to be that invested if they have no idea what these movies are. Yeah, I think it's their biggest problem, but it's also, like, these are very, like, you know, I haven't seen Three Billboards, I haven't seen Lady Bird, or any of these other movies, or nom- a lot of these other movies are nominated, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they're all very solid movies, it's just, like, yeah, I don't think the average person's going to go see Three Billboards in the movie theater, if it's even possible. Yeah, yeah. So, that definitely limits, like, the, the appeal of it when there's movies like that. So they really have to find some sort of balance with that. They must think about every movie. I mean, another thing they were saying is like, like, what if Deadpool made it out? That I don't think that was, was that this past year or the year before. Deadpool was 2016, so so I think it would have been the nomination for last year's Oscar. Yeah, so they were saying like managing something like that. Like, yeah, they say particularly superhero movies are so big now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if you had to pick a movie from last year, what would you pick? Best picture. Um, okay, there's two movies that I would go for. If I had to pick a uh, movie for Best Picture, Best Picture, the best movie-going experience I had was Dunkirk. By far, like, in uh, in multiple, like, I, I can't think of, like, a time... I think the only time I really remember having, uh, like, this kind of an experience was probably, like, I remember watching Man of Steel in... The, for the very first time in a proper like IMAX theater right yeah and that's when like you're seeing like you know superheroes fly around and things like that like it's incredible like that or something along the lines of Avatar but like this movie 
it was hard to get through the movie because of the fact like the the sound would actually scare you like legitimately scare you and i i think like uh it's just a really well done movie but it, it it's a movie that like movies are you know the reason why theaters were made was for movies like these otherwise a lot of the movies you can kind of just sit at home and watch them yeah i couldn't see that with dunkirk it would just lose the effect that's just a nice sound system or like surround sound exactly half it is yeah. the sound effects like like as much as much as I enjoy these, like uh, I guess, like movies that are purely acting based or acting driven, or like these, like smaller movies where, you know, uh, like uh, yeah, like I guess it's like oh, let's have a movie completely based off conversations or something like that. I really do enjoy those movies. Like I, I think uh, bef- like the Before Sunrise, Sunset, and Midnight series is like one of my favorite like uh, romantic like romantic comedy or romantic movies ever made. But movies like Dunkirk, there's so much invested into them that, and like, uh, there's so much input into it that, like, the output needs to get recognized. And, like, I I would say, like, last year, Dunkirk was a movie which I feel like I had the best movie going experience I've ever had. Yeah, I I think it's definitely reasonable. Um, What would you say, like, for you? I don't even know. I think I'd have to go with honestly John Wick too. I, when I think of movies I saw last year, it wasn't like the most plot heavy or anything. Yeah. I do feel like I enjoyed it the most. And following up John Wick one, which I saw like at my house, which I thought was just like I think on my friends, like we just like get caught off, caught off guard for a second because it was in the background, like just watching it. Yeah. Like I feel like I had a lot to love to, and I think it did. It expanded on like the background story from the first one, mm-hmm. and I just thought like all the action scenes were incredible. Like Keanu Reeves is awesome. Like. It's a very interesting all-around story and movie, and it just keeps you locked in because it's like it pays homage to like these old '80s action movies, but it's just seems like almost like a next step up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where it's just a little impressive because you expect because it's just like it's just a shoot movie, but it just there's like more to it than just that. But there's not kind of you know it's not there's not super heavy plot, not a ton of character development, it's just like a cold-blooded killer who just has a you know a vendetta. Yeah, it's. It's similar to, like, Taken, in a way, where it kind of takes what was super famous, like, 20, 30 years ago, like, you know, traditional revenge movies or something like that, and then kind of brings it back, but it brings back something new to it as well. And it's hard to do those things when you have, like, a decade of saturation of just these kind of movies. Yeah, because I definitely think with that particular, like, like 80s genre, of straight-up action, it really has got, like... It, like, it was popular because it was just so cool, but eventually it just, like, burned out because it was just, you know, the same thing, and yeah. the acting wasn't great, and it was just, cat, like, one-liners, and dudes holding big guns. Like, it just wasn't, like, particularly, like, innovative, but I feel like there's definitely, like, it's a nice twist to see this, where it's a genre that I don't particularly love, but, like, seeing something that reads it out from a genre mm-hmm. like, that I don't particularly follow, I think, is very, like, impressive. Okay, I'm just like going through uh, the year of 2017 in terms of like the movies that came out. That's like I'd say the movies that stood out to me the most, uh, or the ones that I've remembered, or like the, just the movies that I think I like the most overall. Uh, it would be like, let's see, Get Out, Dunkirk, Blade, Blade Runner 2049, Wonder Woman, Big Sick, Logan, and. Uh, Oh yeah, I completely forgot. War for the Planet of the Apes. That was last year. Oh yeah, that was last year. And um, 
year too? Uh, Arrival was two years ago. Okay. Yeah, Arrival was 2016 as well. Arrival was also a really good movie, but like it, it, it did get its recognition. Yeah. So yeah, like Get Out was like. I can't even remember if like I ended up watching it in the movie theater or if I ended up watching it at like home or something like that. But or like once it was on like some kind of uh, I can't remember how how I ended up watching the movie. But like I remember watching the movie and I'm like I literally can't look away for this entire movie. Like you always have this tendency that when you're watching movies at home, like you can like you know go on your phone or do something like that. And I literally could not do that for the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, with me, I find myself to be, like, super focused on watching something like that. Mm-hmm. And I look away, I miss, like, you know, like, the smallest dialogue. Like, I'll rewind back and yeah. catch it. And, yeah. like, and I'm like, oh, and nothing. Or, like, sometimes you don't hear something properly, so I go back. But, yeah, no, I saw it in the theater, definitely. I, I want us to watch it again, honestly. Because I thought it was a very well-done movie. Like, the end kind of became, like, a, like a just standard, like, I'll beat the shit out of everyone, like, horror movie. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't mind at all. It was kind of like that whole, like, just lashing out revenge, kind of. I like the whole, it's like with Black Panther, it's like that two-sided element to it, that it's like not just like a movie, a horror movie, it's like a black movie, and then it's like a legitimate fear that's like compounded, it's like, imagine this, but it's like far more sinister and just like meeting some like white parents, you know? Like, a str- it was also like a, just at the end of it, like if you take everything out of it, it's still an incredible, like just a thriller movie. Like it's just really well made, well made from like a technical standpoint. And then you add in the fact that there's so much context behind this, it just like enhances how good of a film it was. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I mean, yes, even on its own, it's just well done. It's a, it's a classic theme. Things are not what they seem movie. Mm-hmm. Or it's like one of those like uncomfortable dinner party movies. You know, like the, so there were points of it when it's like really cringy or something like that. But then, like the, that cringe element goes away when you realize there's a much more sinister aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and what is it? Wait, I'm sure I was going with this, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, slipped my mind. Um, uh, yeah, also the comedy, that was like a comedy, it was just like a nice touch. I think it was like a guy, Lil Ray, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Howard, yeah. Maybe. Like, yeah, I seen him popping up in a bunch of stuff in that new, like, Kyrie Irving movie. But he was really funny and like gave a nice break to the horror. Mm-hmm. Like the movies, like sometimes with horror comedies, they're just more funny and they're scary, or they're just not very funny. Yeah. Although most of them I've seen are usually in like a good balance. Like I think of like was it Last House on the Left? Was that it or the Cabin in the Woods? I think it was. Cabin in the Woods was the one where it kind of like played off of uh, all of the traditional horror genres. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like it's still like there's scary aspects, but it's also like comedy i think it's definitely tough to bounce two genres i think mm-hmm. it's a good break from the horror people don't, don't love horror yeah but it's also still like i think get out is definitely a little creepy like you're going to the sunken place like, like kind of scary when you know, like hypnotized and everything and it's like uh obviously like once the movie's been out and like you know you've heard the conversation behind it and everything like that you kind of have the movie ruined a little bit for you but if you go in without, like, um, going in to get out, like, without any information, that movie, like, really throws you in for a turn because you're not expecting any of the things that are thrown at you. And it's, like, it's yeah, hard definitely. It's hard to do that in a time when, like, when there's so many movies that are out there, like, you can, like, almost predict what's happening in the movie, and you can't really do that while watching this movie if you go in without any information. 
Yeah, and also, I mean, honestly, I think it's usually for lesser movies, but, like, trailers that reveal too much of the plot. Yeah. I think it's more just for, like, lesser movies where it's like, oh, that's what it's about, so I know I'm getting myself into. But, like, sometimes I think, like, with, uh, like, with Venom, like, I'm sure I'll have a more, like, expanded trailer, but it's kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, what does Venom look like? Like, what's, yeah, what the hell's actually going on? Like, I kind of think not to know. It's like, it leaves you wanting more in a, you know, in a world that we just are so exposed to everything, like, the episode of Game of Thrones released, there's about like 20 different fan theories, and mm-hmm. like one is bound to be correct. So it's kind of just like, in a way, it's cool to like people see people dissect things, but also it in a way almost ruins things. So it's, it is nice to go in kind of like without knowing as much. I think that's like, um, I, uh, we, we also saw that happen with uh, what was the Clover, Cloverfield Paradox? And while that movie was like okay, uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> the, the movie was like kind of bad, but like the way that like the way that it gauged interest and the fact that you kind of go in into the movie without no like you go in without any knowledge, and I really like that. I really like that like doing that for annihilation as well, and it's hard to do it in a time like this. Like, cause you'll see trailers come out for movies like eleven months before they're coming out. And then you have like four other trailers that come out and like 13 different TV spots and things like that. And they're kind of, obviously you can like not log in to your, like, you know, or not search it up and then kind of go in without uh, any information. But it's always nice to see like these different kinds of things where like movies don't invest heavily into a marketing campaign, but like rather go like a kind of a different route. Yeah, that whole Cloverfield thing itself, I think a Cloverfield, I think like the original one, Mm-hmm. Which I heard just talking about. It was a buzz about it. Like, I remember watching it and being like, this is okay. Yeah. The second one, like, I liked how it was done. With, like, and I thought, you know, John Goodman was great in it. The whole John Goodman renaissance, something in every movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought, like, that was, like, a particularly interesting theme where, like, like I kind of love the ending, though. I like the whole idea that, like, that there was, like, nothing to fear but, like, other people. It was an interesting concept where it's, like, the girl's afraid of there's like aliens or can't breathe outside but in reality you can yeah but then there happens also be aliens too so it's like okay it kind of does make sense right but um, yeah definitely with the Clovis particular thing is a viral marketing and I think that definitely intrigued me also being a fan of the series despite reading how terrible it was mm-hmm. or like just hearing about it you're kind of like no I do like Warfield though and you check it out but I heard an interesting parallel that like in this movie if you play at the same time as the original yeah. At the time they hear like an aliens attack or that shake in the apartment, yeah. that it's the same time I think they they uh, teleport to the movie. If you've seen it, okay, so, like, they, okay. There are some like really like Easter egg type things with that, but other than that, I don't think the movie really was particularly good in its own. Like I, I've kind of so I, I'd say from the series like Ten Cloverfield Lane is probably my favorite because it's less of like you know the monster kind of thing and it's just like a like a very good like human horror kind of film. Yeah, and but like, I'm I'm not invested into like Cloverfield lore, so I, I didn't actually read anything about that, and that's actually really cool if they like kind of try to tie it in to the first movie. I know that they're trying to like make a full like universe out of this now, where they're trying to like, get like four or five different Cloverfield movies or something like that. So yeah, that's what I heard, and like, I think even with like this, which like Netflix kind of do that whole like volume like over over. Uh, quality yeah, they, yeah. Like, are better than others but like that's kind of a hit or miss at their point because they're driving more off original content rather than uh you know just like taking other people's work like someone like hulu or someone that's their their thing like over tv but not you know on but demand kind of. I, I think like 
uh, Netflix also has like a really high burn rate or something like that because like the, uh, their system is kind of like uh, if if so if you like it then like the movie just gets made or the it, I think it's yeah and it's either that or it's like uh, it's similar for their TV shows where it's just like if they like the pitch that you have they just buy the rights and then you make the show for them so yeah like uh, I mean then. Uh, like that's a that's a whole other conversation for a different time, but it's like it's also <laughs> it's also like a really interesting thing in its in, in itself. Yeah, no, I like the whole concept because it makes a lot of like you know artists don't necessarily get their movies made mm-hmm. get made. Then like and I like seeing a lot of like amateur horror movies and stuff. That a lot of them are kind of the same found footage movie. So it's like there's a hit and miss. So a good aspect you get more people who get more opportunities at the same time. You also get a lot of just like the same little crap. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think that's gonna be all for today. That was. All right. Let's see. We went through Black Panther. We went through Annihilation. We went through the Oscars, and then uh, we kind of also went through like 2017 on film. So, that, I think that was a pretty good show. Like, there we go. First episode's done. See you guys. Okay, good start.